0: Listening to Connection Church's podcast. Merry Christmas! We clap. So glad you're here on this Christmas Eve. Anybody excited? Hey, we got some excited adults. Santa Claus comes to us too, doesn't he? I love me some Santa Claus. So, uh, so happy to be here tonight, and uh, and had a wonderful service yesterday evening, and um, and expect God to do great things. Uh, just as he did last night. Um, you know, people ask a lot of times about tradition, you know, or is that going to be a traditional Christmas Eve service? Or you know what that means, other than maybe a candle or something? And um, no, no, because we're not a traditional church. So we do things uh, somewhat different from time to time, and uh, every Sunday. And so just wanted to prepare you for that. So we're going to do... This message is even a little different than you would expect on a Christmas Eve, but we're going to talk about Jesus because we talk about Jesus every time we gather together. But really, why he came? Why why did Jesus come in the first place? Why did God think this was a good idea uh, for all of this to come about? And we're going to talk about this from the book of Philippians when Paul is writing to the people of Philippi. And he's talking about this in a couple of different sections. So we're going to start in Philippians chapter 2, if you'll turn with me there, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and we're going to spend some time in those verses, Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the Christmas story as as well, obviously. Um, but if you don't have a Bible and, and you need a Bible, we would love to help you with that. So you can, uh, after the service, you can go to our guest services table our next steps right out there in the atrium. We would love to give you a Bible. But if you don't have one, look on with someone or Sky Bible will be up here for you as well. So enjoy that. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Let's read that together. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for this evening. We're so thankful for Christmas Eve. So much excitement comes with it, God. So many other things surround it. And, and many of us from, from all walks of life are sitting in this room tonight. Those of us who are anticipating the morning where, that Christmas brings... Many of us are sitting here and and are are troubled by memories of Christmas. Christmas is past that, that left scars in our hearts and on our minds. There are many of us who miss people, God. So we're seated here tonight in a little bit of sadness. So God, as you speak and as your word is broken up open tonight... We know that it is living and breathing, and it speaks to us wherever we are, whoever we are. No matter what we've done, you are here with us, and we thank you for that, God. We love you. Be with us through this service. Let it bring glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I think overall, um, we can probably agree that we all seek to be pretty self-sufficient, don't you think? I mean, we, we want to do things ourselves. We want to accomplish things ourselves. And I'm pretty much the world's worst of that. I don't ask for help a lot. I, and I, and it's, a, it's a fault of mine to some degree. And I find myself uh, in that. I mean, we have TV networks designed around that. The DIY network, do-it-yourself network, right? There's something you can do yourself. Just tackle this. You can do it yourself. You don't need help. Do it yourself. I actually have a world record. You may not know this, but I have a world record. It's self-given, but nobody else knows about it. But I think I own this record, and that is for the number of Walmart bags that I can put on both hands. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One-trip wonder, baby. I'm not going back to the car. I don't care. I will have them hanging off of everything, with the with a Dr. Peppers on my shoulder, whatever I, I've got, I'm going to get them in the house and I'm not going back to the car. Whatever it takes. If it gets broken, not my fault, but I got it in in one trip, right? And I, I, I love that. I, I kind of ran into this one time. I like to do some woodworking from time to time and I'm not that great at it, but I can build a shelf that usually would, would hold things if they're not round and, um, and they, they sit properly most of the time, but um, I, I like working with the man's tool, and that man's tool is the air gun, right? The air gun, the, the, the nail gun that you can just pow pow, just shoot things in, it's just really fun. So I got a couple of air guns, and, and if you work with wood, you gotta have a couple of different sizes. The finishing nail gun, the framing nail gun, those types of things, just love working with it. So I'm building this uh, shelf one day, and I'm in the, the shop and I didn't have my shorter hose that I should use with the air gun, Um, I only had a 900 foot hose that I had laying around. A lot of hose there, just attached, 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 leaks in a hundred different places, but it's all I had that day. So I'm working on it, had the shelf, I'm holding it for that next nail to go in. I'm ready. I've got it all lined up, put the glue in there. I'm holding it in place and I reach for the nail gun. That's where it is. Out of reach, right? Just where a good carpenter would leave it is not handy. So I'm I've got this, you can't let go of it because you spent so much time lining it up. So I'm, I'm reaching with the foot because that's a great thing for a carpenter to do as well. And I'm stretched out across my shop doing this and my, my foot accidentally hits the compressor where the air hose goes into the compressor. Now, men, you know this, that if you unplug the, compressor, the hose from the compressor, the air has to escape the hose. When air escapes the hose that's under pressure, guess what happens? You get attacked by a big spaghetti noodle, right? So it comes off and I'm, I'm fighting. It's a fight, but me and this hose are going at it and I am losing tremendously. This thing is beating me to death because all this, hair, this air, hair, my hair, but all this air is escaping the hose at one time. But I try to do things myself. I want to accomplish things by myself because I got it. And we have the I got it mentality even in our faith walk from time to time. So this text that we read tonight is split into two parts. Verses 1 through 5 talks about our relationship with Christ, the mindfulness of Christ. And that second part, verses 6 through 11, begins to talk about why Jesus came in the first place. Why he came, why he died, and and we go from there. So this like-mindedness that Paul talks about is is that according to the example of Jesus Christ, how we're supposed to be like-minded with Christ. He talks about the kindness, that kindness is the law of Christ's kingdom, that we're supposed to be kind and, and supposed to be loving and, and be in unity with one another. He says that love is for one another. And if you expect or experience this benefit of God's compassion, if you ever expect this then be compassionate to someone else it's not something we can just hold on to so if we experience it we should allow others to experience it in us but that's not really what we've done is it especially this time of year if you if you haven't noticed especially with the season with Santa Claus and commercialization all this stuff that we talk about we don't you don't have to spend much time talking about commercialization you know that because in in June when The Christmas stuff comes out at Walmart, we we realize that it's an important part of the season for them, right? The season is just like all year long we're getting ready for Christmas because it's financially so profitable for so many people. And we get we get frantic and it's not a very restful time. And we talk about the the Christmas spirit. I don't really know what the Christmas spirit is. I think Hallmark has done a really good job with it, right? Hallmark tells us what the Christmas spirit is on, with all their movies. They're exactly the same. The, the very busy, busy businesswoman leaves New York. She hits a deer, gets trapped on a road in some secluded town called Christmas. And uh, that's the name of the town. And, and she's just frantically trying to get back. She meets the guy... They fall in love. He's a Christmas tree salesman. His wife died. We know the story, right? But it talks about the Christmas spirit. And I think they've done a better job sometimes than the church has done in talking about the Christmas spirit. But that's supposed to happen in all walks of life. And he talks about this humility, that, that humility, Christ came to humble us and for us to be humble and I don't know about you, but especially this time of year, being humble is, is very difficult because I, I have issues with humility when I crank my vehicle. I don't know about y'all, but I have a problem with road rage. I really do. And if you want to test your humility, get in your vehicle, drive and start from Walgreens and try to get to Lowe's without cussing, thinking it or saying it out loud. It, it is difficult to do that. Just last night on the way here, when I'm thinking about sharing this and talking about humility, I'm I'm in the left lane because the left lane, I've, I've really figured out that's the best place to go because everybody turning right forgets that they're turning right for some reason. And it's difficult to be as good of a driver as I am, to be that good at it and everybody else be so bad too. And I'm in the left lane, I'm focused on getting here, I'm praying, I'm singing Christmas carols and talking to Jesus. And so I'm in this lane in this, this big giant vehicle, I'm not going to say the color because you're probably here. And... This car's in the, in the turn lane, the middle one, the suicide lane, they're in there and they're turning left into Longhorn, okay? Well, they can't quite get there because somebody's also turning left to get to the mall. So what do they do? Just what any very smart person would do, just come back in, the, in, her, in my lane, right? Just ease, right? Because nobody else is on the road. She just eases right over in front of me. And I, you know, prayed for her and, and slowed down Now, I was in my wife's car, so I showed out, man. It wasn't my truck, didn't have any connection stickers on that sucker. I was like, you know, laying on the horn. Humility was out the window. But I, you know, you lay on your horn and I've always thought about what does the person look like that I would really like to just, you know, give that face to. But it never fails. When I get up, it's the it's an older lady or it's just a, a gentle man. Who, there's that, I don't know what that person looks like that I want to yell at, but I've never seen them. Maybe you can point them out to me, but that person's never there. And I just just honked and wrote, you know, just kind of waved. I was just saying, hey, <laughs> good luck. Don't choke on your steak. Whatever was going on with them. But humility is so hard. Being, being humble is so difficult, but Paul is telling us that's what Jesus is, is talking about. That's the life that he lived and what we're supposed to try to to be like. But we got to be harsh on our own faults. We got to be quick to observe our own defects, but be ready to show grace to others. We must be kind and care for others, but not judgmental of what's going on with other people or even getting nosy and getting in their business. Be kind to them and love them. That inward and that outward peace comes from humility. It comes from humility. So how do we do this? How do we, what do we do to become more humble? What do we do to accomplish this? Or do we just to treat others with humility because that's what Jesus did? You know, just kind of follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Do what he did. Is that possible? Can we really do that? Because I think that what I see and what I even struggle with is there's too much copycat Christianity that goes on in the world. There's too much of this just be like Jesus from the bumper stickers, kind of just taking the whole logo of be like Mike and we just turned it into be like Jesus. Let's just be like Jesus. Nothing wrong with be like Mike. We all wanted that in the 80s and the 90s, didn't we? Everybody wanted to be like Mike. It's Michael Jordan for some of you who are eight and don't know who he was awesome basketball player, but we changed it over. And I think it's okay to replace that with Jesus. There's nothing wrong with trying to use Jesus as an example, but when we just copy somebody, does that really transform us from the inside? Does it really change us? At a former church, I I was uh, picked to be Joseph in the nativity scene. It's kind of this drive through Bethlehem that we did. And every night I just stood there in the same spot. People drove by and stared. I don't really understand the point of that. I was just copying what I thought Joseph would do. All I remember about it was being in this skirt and it being cold and there was a draft. That's all I really recall about that, that, those nights. But it was just copying something. And we can copy Jesus, but does it, does it really, really change us? And I don't think it's a bad thing either. It's not a bad thing to copy Jesus, but anyone, even the non-Christian, can act like Jesus. A non Christian can act like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. I don't think that there's anything wrong with acting like Jesus, but does that behavior actually transform into every area of our life? As many people I know are amazing servants, they serve so well, they're so willing to do things for other people, but they mistreat their families at home, they mistreat their wives, or they mistreat their husbands. I know know some prayer warriors throughout my life and all the churches that I've been a part of, some people who are just passionate and wonderful at praying, but they struggle with gossip, struggle with talking about things that they probably shouldn't talk about. There's, There's still this justification for living with someone before you're married to them. There's justification for sex outside of marriage, but at the same time talking about living like Jesus. I just want to be like Jesus, but this area over here, I can just kind of keep off to the side because I can act like Jesus sometimes, but not all the time. I know who people who are diligently trying to live like Christ, but privately are dying inside, are struggling, and it's because it's only legalism. It's only about laws and, and rules when we're just trying to be like somebody else something else to check off. That's because when we play by the rules, conviction without change is the only thing that's consistent. Conviction without change. We just feel convicted all the time, which turns into guilt and resentment. And we live with those things over and over and over. We can't change them. We try and try and try. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. But listen close. Our behavior should be motivated and empowered by salvation in Christ, not by the example of Christ. Our behavior should be motivated and empowered by our salvation in Christ, not by the example of Christ. So instead of copying Jesus, we must worship Jesus because whoever and whatever we worship, that's who and what we become acting like something or someone doesn't change us. We do that every Halloween. We can act like anything. But if we're in the Incredible Hulk on October 31st, when we get up and go to work the next morning, we're not the Incredible Hulk anymore. It would be awkward and weird if you were, but you're not. So we can act like Jesus all we want, but does it really transform who we are? There's nothing you can do, no behavior you can change, no rule you can follow that will change you from the inside out. So we as Christians don't just look to Christ as a great moral example to follow, but as the exalted Lord who we worship, then obey. You hear that? We worship him first, then obey. We can't just act like him. We have to worship him because of what he did. So why is it this way? Why can't I just... Act like him. Why can't I just copy what Jesus did and that be enough? Why do I have to worship and then obey him? Because I think the answer to that is why he came in the first place. So we're going to answer that question as best we can. Why did Jesus come? And simply put, he came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And what does that mean? Because we may be able to put a man on the moon... We may be able to explore the the deepest, darkest recesses of our oceans. We may be able to climb the highest mountains. We may be able to create communications to, to communicate over millions of miles away. We may be able to do all these things, but we cannot do two things. We cannot solve our sin problem and we cannot solve our death problem. We are not able to do that ourselves. As much as we try each and every day, as much as Katie talked about in her testimony, all the things that she tried to do, she could not do that by herself. Mistake after mistake after mistake. And Katie's story is our story. Different things, different symptomologies, different things to try, but we've all been there. Some of us are in the room tonight, struggling with the same stuff. But only a loving God can fix what's wrong with us. And rather than a holy God wiping out all of sinful humanity, which he could have done and probably should have done and just started over, his solution involves sending his son, Jesus Christ, his son. I'm not giving up my son. I don't know about you, fathers who have sons. It's not for me. I'm glad I'm not God. It's not a choice I could have made. But that was his answer. He loved us so much, he sent his son to earth to die. So Paul shows us this in what's called the Christ hymn in verses 6 through 11. It's, it's structured as a hymn. It's something that's sung or a poem. That Jesus not, did not just come and die. He died the only way he could. And here's a key to it. We have to worship, then obey him If in life if we want the benefit of his death. We have to worship and and obey him in life if we want the benefit of his death. Look again with me to verses six through eight. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't take advantage of who he was as God to just manipulate people, to control them and go, believe in me, believe in me. Or I'm gonna take you out. That would have been a cool one to have. He didn't do that. He didn't use that to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, just like us, with the skin on, just like me and you, who hurts, just like me and you. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Not obedient to death as death, something being above him, but obedient to God. And being obedient to God led led him to his death because that's what had to happen. So you see this hymn starts at the top of Jesus being at the the side of of God before Genesis chapter 1, sitting alongside him, knowing what was to come after creation was set into motion. So it starts at the top and it goes downhill very quickly to his death. And then starts again in verse 9. therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name as above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Starts at the top, goes down to death, and then takes off again right back to the heavenly realm of us worshiping Jesus Christ for who he is. When we watch the Christmas story acted out in some holiday drama, and we ponder the baby Jesus lying in a lowly manger... We can't ever forget that Christ was a child destined to die. He was destined to die from the beginning. And not just any death, but a unique death, a death on a cross that would bring salvation to all who would believe in him. God could not send a king to rule because there would be no choice in that. He could have sent Jesus here with a crown on who would have stood in dictatorship and said, everybody believe in me right now or you will die. And we could have done that and fallen in lockstep with him, but that's not what he did. He sent him a, in, a, in, a, in a manger, one of the lowest places that he could come to and to live this normal life like me and you. So we would choose him, choose to be in relationship with him. And thinking about the helpless baby, Jesus should remind us of the willingly helpless savior who chose to endure the cross because he loves us so much. So no matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it with, no matter what has been done to you, there is nothing, nothing that you can do that will make that go away. There's nothing you can do to change that. You've tried it all, the alcohol, the affairs, the pornography, Whatever is out there the sleeping around whatever you've chosen to do We all have those coping mechanisms and they're not always the healthiest thing to choose But even in the most unhealthy thing that we choose to to use we have this sense of control And if I can just do this, I know it's not good for me But I feel like I'm in control because I need to do this for myself. I can't let go I can't let go and let God do this because if I let go, I'm not in control anymore. And what might happen? I'll tell you what will happen. God will come down and save you. He will change you from the inside out. Will he take those things away right now? God, I hope he will. But it may not happen right off the bat. But that's the next step we have to take to to allow him to show you what the next step is. What an awesome, awesome message that he gives us. So look with me to Luke chapter two, because here's where it comes together. Verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Not a good man, not a great teacher, not someone just to follow, but the Messiah, the Lord. Not someone just to follow or a great example, but the one we worship, then obey. We worship him, then we obey. So there's one decision for all of us. One decision for every one of us here tonight. Those who of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal savior and those who don't, there's one decision And that is to decide to make him Lord. Because there are many, many more of us in here tonight who know Christ, but have not made him Lord of our lives. And we struggle with taking that control and, and every morning getting up and going, All right, God, I'm gonna let you do this. And as soon as we get to that place where we need to grab it back because it's scary, it's vulnerable, I can't just let God do this because I don't know if I trust God. Well, let me tell you something the creator of the universe can be trusted. He created us. He breathed breath into us. He can be trusted. He loved us enough to send his son to die for us. He can be trusted. So what is that for you tonight? What a wonderful Christmas gift that God would love to give to each one of us tonight to make him Lord. Maybe tonight is a, is a night where this is the first time you've ever made this decision. And you know it's a decision you need to make tonight. And if you've ever been to Connection or you've heard about Connection, you know we're going to have an opportunity to receive Christ. We're not going to miss it because we raise the roof off of this place when people come to know Christ. We celebrate it. And it happens Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And it can happen tonight. In a group this large, there's someone out here who came here tonight not expecting to meet Christ, but you're meeting him right now. He's knocking on your heart right now, and you know it's a decision you need to make. Then we want you to have that opportunity. We don't close our eyes and, and keep it a secret. We celebrate it. And in order to do that, I want to ask you, if you know you need to make that decision tonight, for the very first time, to come to know Christ, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you and walk you through that. If that's a decision you need to make, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand right where you are. Lift it up so we can see it and celebrate with you. Anybody at all. All right, so for the rest of us, same question applies. Applies for me, applies for you. Let's decide to make him Lord. Let's decide to make him Lord tonight. Just for a couple of minutes as we close, we're not gonna keep you long. I know it's, it's at the hour, it's so weird, it's five o'clock. I don't, I don't know if I've ever been in church at five o'clock and ending something. It's kind of strange. But just for a couple of minutes, I'm gonna ask you, and our, our um, worship team's gonna come back up and close us with a song but we use this area up here as an altar and we wanna open that up for you. Maybe you need to pray right where you are just for a couple of minutes to just pray through some of the things that you've heard and experienced this evening as we go into this wonderful, wonderful celebration tomorrow. And this altar is not, we don't have pixie dust or anything up here that we've spread out. There's nothing magical about it. But what we see as the altar is not just a place that you go, it's a place that you go from. So stepping out of where you are is kind of leaving some things behind and, and having a, a different perspective so that God can speak to you. So just for a couple of minutes, if you feel led to, to come and pray, pray right where you are. We wanna do that, okay? So let me pray and then we'll, we'll go into that time. God, we thank you for the evening. We Thank you for what you have, have done here, what you did last night, what you're doing in the hearts of so many, how you've challenged me personally through this message, God pray that as we leave here tonight as a group of people who say I'm going to decide to make him Lord the transformation that could take place within families tonight within our community tonight and tomorrow and the weeks to come holy cow how powerful that would be so god meet us where we are right now thank you for your son thank you for the baby But most of all, God, thank you for the cross and for dying for each one of us. So come as God leads you.